excellent job, Sam. Thank you. Appreciate that. Amen. I'm telling you, he's one we're really going to have to... <laughs> Really going to have to sign a contract on him. I'm telling you, quoting scripture this morning, start, about to break out into preaching this morning, then singing. I'm telling you, we're going to have to keep anybody from finding out about him so we can keep him around here. Hey, mate. Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is where we'll be uh, this evening, uh, continuing this study. And if you uh, need a worksheet, if you uh, failed to pick up a worksheet, uh, if you hold your hand up, we can get one to you. This is last Sunday. I'm going to give you this option. Jake, can you grab a couple worksheets? we got some people holding their hand up. Would you be able to grab some worksheets and pass those out? <laughs> They're uh, on this table, that table. They're in the back there. None in the back. All righty, grab some there and uh, pass those out. And now next Sunday, it's on you to remember that there's worksheets available. Uh, but uh, grab those worksheets for uh, Psalm 119. Uh, I know that in the past I hadn't done worksheets on uh, Sunday nights, but because we was continuing a series that we had started on Wednesday nights, I felt like we'd do that. we're out, all out. I have one. How many we need? I have one here. Anybody need this one? Huh? I don't think so. Anybody got? Anybody need it? I think we're good. All right. All right. All righty. Anyway. Uh, be here in Psalm 119, continuing our study through this chapter, uh, longest chapter in the Bible that deals specifically with the subject of the Word of God. We were at the house this afternoon, and uh, after dinner, Jake asked me, he said, so what are you preaching on this evening? And I, I told him the, the title of the message, and I said, I don't know. I might let you all know let everyone out early this evening. And he said, well, so something, some type of a positive response to that. Well, that'd be good or everybody will like that, you know. And, and I said, well, the problem I have is I don't know where the line is at where folks are happy I let them out early or they're angry because they feel like they didn't get their money's worth. So that's a, that's a hard line to find. So, uh, but anyway, we'll see how the Lord leads tonight. We may let you out early. I might keep you late. I never know for sure when I start into these things. But anyway, now we're going to look tonight at this thought of four pictures of a man of God, or we could say four pictures of a child of God. And so that is what we'll be looking at this evening. We're going to read uh, starting in verse number 33 and read down through verse number 40. This, the heading is he, H-E, uh, and uh, probably is pronounced more like he is how it would be actually pronounced. Uh, but this is the heading of this portion of Psalm 119. Starting in verse number 33, the Bible says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies, and not to covetousness. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. Establish thy word unto thy servant, who is devoted to thy fear. Turn away my reproach, which I fear, for thy judgments are good. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts, Quicken me in thy righteousness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your house. Lord, as I've mentioned many times, Lord, I thank you 
that we're able to meet together and to worship together. And Lord, now as we open your word, Lord, we've enjoyed the singing, we've enjoyed the specials, we've enjoyed the fellowship. And now, Lord, as we open uh, your word, Lord, to look at this portion of Scripture, uh, Lord, concerning how the word of God affects us. Father, I pray, uh, Lord, that although it may be simple, that, Father, it'll be practical. I pray it'll be applicable. I pray, dear Lord, that we will be challenged. uh, And, Lord, we'll go away, Lord, with truths uh, that we can think on throughout the week, truths that will help us throughout the week, Lord, to be the the children of God that you would have us to be. Thank you, Lord, for each person that is here tonight. Thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness. Thank you, dear Lord, for the evident love that they have for you and for your church. And Father, I thank you for them. I pray, dear Lord, that you will bless them, Lord, for their faithfulness. And Father, I pray that you anoint the message tonight. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Here in this passage of Scripture, we see the psalmist describing four pictures of the child of God that is derived from his relationship to the Word of God. I don't know whether or not you've realized this in your journey as a Christian, but the more attention you pay to the Word of God, the more it will affect the child of God. The more you spend time with the Word of God, the more it will change the behavior of the child of God. And so as we look at this passage of Scripture, we're going to be looking at four pictures of the child of God that come from his relationship to the Word of God. And so we're going to dive right into it this evening and see what the Lord has for us. The first thing that we see in verse 33 and 34 is we see a devoted student, a devoted student. It says in verse 33 and 34, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. We see here the first picture of the child of God is someone who has become a devoted student of the Word of God. He says there, teach me. Then he says in verse 34, give me understanding. We see here in these two verses his request. We see the request of the child of God and his request is twofold and that is teach me and give me. We, uh, uh, y'all have to excuse me. I got something in my throat tonight. Hopefully it'll shake loose directly. But we see here his his request, teach me and give me. Now there's a story in the Bible that we're all familiar with that I believe will help us to understand this passage of Scripture. As a matter of fact, this story that I'm going to tell you is about the son of the psalmist David who I believe was the author of this or the the writer of this passage of Scripture. And I find it interesting uh, that the father has apparently influenced the son because we see here the request of the psalmist is teach me, teach me thy law, give me understanding. This is a request, this is his desire. We know that David's son Solomon was the successor to the throne after David. Solomon was the successor to the throne and the the Lord asked Solomon What will you that I give you? What is it that you want from me? We read this story in 1 Kings chapter number 3. If you want to turn over there, uh, we're going to read this story and look at Solomon and his request concerning uh, the the things of the Lord. In 1 Kings chapter number 3 and in verse number 5, 1 Kings 3 and starting in verse number 5, the Bible says in Gibeon, 
The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give thee. Now, boy, that's something to ponder about. Now that we know this story, if God was to appear to us in a dream, we would know what we were supposed to say because we're familiar with this story. But if we were not familiar with this story and God was to appear in your bedroom at night and he was to say to you, ask. Whatever you want, it is in my power and I will give it you. It would do us good to maybe do some soul searching and say, what would I want to ask? What would be the primary thing on my heart? What would be the number one thing that I would ask? God came to Solomon. Solomon's been selected as king. God said, ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant, speaking of himself, king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or to come in. You know what? It's a wonderful accomplishment when we realize this truth about ourselves. Uh, there's a sign that was hanging, a friend of mine had a sign hanging in his office that said, 90% of being smart is knowing what you're dumb at. Uh, I mean, that is where you excel is when you figure out that you don't know everything. And the, the Solomon said to the Lord, he said, uh, uh, I don't know how to go out or to come in. I've been selected as king and I have no idea how to do what it is that I've been selected to do. He said in verse number 8, Thy servant is in the midst of thy people which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered or counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. <clears throat> and God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hath not asked for thyself long life, neither hath asked riches for thyself, nor hath asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment, Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any rise like unto thee. And God gave Solomon wisdom. Excuse me, I jumped ahead on you. Uh, turn over to 1 Kings chapter number 4. 1 Kings chapter number 4. And we'll see this answer to the prayer. 1 Kings 4 and verse uh, number 29. In 1 Kings 3, Solomon made the request. God said, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that thou none like thee. In 1 Kings 4 and verse number 29, the Bible says, And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all men, than Ethan, the Ezrahite, and Heman, and Shakal, and Darda, the sons of Mahal, and his fame was in all nations round about. 
And he spake 3,000 proverbs. And his songs were 1,005. And he spake of trees from, un, from the cedar tree that is in Lebanon, even unto the hyssop that springeth out of the wall. He spake also of beasts and of fowl and of creeping things and of fishes. And there came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all kings of the earth which had heard his wisdom. In Psalm 119 in verse number 33, the psalmist said, Teach me. Here in 1 Samuel, or 1 Kings, excuse me, in 1 Kings, we see that Solomon said, Teach me. What do I want from you? I want to gain understanding from you. And I see here what God gave him. And there in 1 Kings 4 and verse number 29, and God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much. And so God gave to Solomon wisdom. Uh, the, the, uh, that word wisdom means he had the ability to discern. He had the ability to think things through. Uh, he had the ability to evaluate. Uh, he had the ability uh, to, to look at situations. Uh, uh, we know the example that is given to the Bible of how he said he was going to divide the child and thereby he was able to discern who was the mother. God gave him the ability to discern situations, to understand. Uh, but then not only did God give him the ability to discern, but God gave him understanding so that he was able to comprehend complex things. He was able uh, to understand uh, how things were laid out. God gave him that understanding. But then the, the part that I want you to notice, it says, and he gave him largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. What does it mean when it says it gave him largeness of heart? It means that God gave him the capacity to retain the wisdom and the understanding that God had given him. I know sometimes I'll be reading a, a book or maybe I'll be reading a commentary about a passage of Scripture, someone that's much more intelligent than I am, and I'm reading what they have to say about a passage of Scripture, and after a few minutes of reading, I'll close the book and I'll say to whoever is around me, I'll say, I've got to take a brain break. I just can't hold anymore. I got to take a break and process this. In other words, I don't, I don't have enough capacity uh, to retain everything that I've got here. And so I, I have to stop and digest that a little bit. God gave to Solomon, not only did he give him wisdom, the ability to discern, not only did he give him the understanding, the ability to comprehend, End, but he also gave him the capacity wherewith he could retain the wisdom that God had given him. He gave him the capacity of mind that he was able to retain it. Now, in Psalm 119, the devoted student, the child of God, says, Teach me. Teach me. Give me understanding. In James chapter number 1 and in verse number 5, you know this verse. The Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. With the same liberality that God gave wisdom to Solomon, he with that same liberality will give wisdom to anyone who asks him of it. So whenever we get into the Word of God and we begin to try and discern the Word of God and we begin to try and apply the Word of God and we begin to feel that the Word of God is more than we can comprehend, its concepts are more than we can understand, its principles are more than we know how to apply, what is it that we do? We 
become a devoted student and we say to the teacher who knows all, who understands all, who comprehends all, we say to him, teach me. And the teacher not only can deliver to us the understanding of God's Word, but he can also give us the capacity to retain the Word of God. Now I want to say right here that many times there are folks who do not commit the Word of God to memory. Boy, I believe that's an area where we fail, uh, even uh, in things besides the Word of God because of the convenience and the, the, the things that we have in our day. Uh, we have lost the ability to memorize. When I was a, a kid of 10, 12 years old, I could tell you all my uh, relatives' telephone numbers. I had them memorized. I knew home number. I knew uh, grandma's number. I knew the uncle's number. And I could just rattle those phone numbers off. I had memorized them. I knew I don't know if I can even tell you my number Nowadays, I have to look it up. What is that number? No, I do know my number and Melissa's number, but I think that's it. Uh, I'm telling you, we, we don't have to memorize, therefore we don't memorize. The same is true with the Word of God. Many times we don't have to, so we don't. But many times the excuse we use is like, I just, I just can't retain it. Well, if you ask the teacher, he can give you largeness of heart. As the sand that is by the seashore, he can give you the capacity to retain the understanding of the Word of God. We see here uh, that the student, the devoted student says, teach me. His request uh, is teach me. And we see from this example of Solomon that God can and will uh, give understanding to those that ask it. But not only do we see his request is to teach me, but we see his resolve. First, he asked for the wisdom, but then the second thing is his resolve. He says, and I shall keep it. Or we could say, and I will observe it. If you'd look there in uh, verse uh, number 33, he says, teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it. In verse 34, he says, give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. First of all, the devoted student says, teach me, I want to know. Then the devoted student says, I am resolved that what I learn of God, I will keep it and I will observe it. This is not useless information. This isn't useless knowledge. This is information that I will allow to mold and make me into the person that I ought to be. Whenever I was a, a, a kid at home, my dad was uh, wanted to live a holy life, wanted to raise his children to live a holy life, and therefore he was a man who would err on the side of caution in regards to the things that he allowed in his home. And for that reason, uh, my dad had never had a television. When I was uh, two or three years old, he kicked the television out, and we never had a television in our home uh, after that. And so we didn't, we didn't watch any kind of TV. We didn't have video games. We didn't have a computer. None of that was in our house as the way I grew up. Uh, but we did have... Uh, on the shelf, a set of encyclopedias. I think they were from 72, I think is when they were written. A set of world book encyclopedias from 72. And Dad took those encyclopedias and he went through them with address labels and anything that uh, he thought was inappropriate for his children to see, he covered it up with address labels and then he made the encyclopedias available to us. And whenever you're in the house in the winter and you don't have any kind of entertainment, you'd be surprised how it will drive a young person to read. 
You know, all these people nowadays say, kids nowadays don't like to read. No, it's they don't have to read. We've provided them with all this other stuff. That's another subject I'm going to preach all night if I get on that. Anyway, here was these encyclopedias. And boy, there was many a time that I'd go sit down in the recliner and I'd just randomly pull out an encyclopedia. And I'd go sit down in the recliner and I'd just start reading the encyclopedia. And boy, I learned a lot of things. A lot of information I gained from those encyclopedias. But a lot of it was just worthless information. It wasn't anything that I've ever applied. It made for good conversation if somebody was talking about something. I'm like, yeah, I know about that. Uh, Yeah, uh I've heard about that. But it was worthless information. It wasn't applicable information. It wasn't something that I will ever use in my life. It was just knowledge I had gained. Nowadays, uh, uh, folks like to sit and scroll their social media or their news, and they read all this useless information, and they get this information, they learn this information, but they never apply. It's not something that's going to make any difference. The devoted student says, Lord, if you will teach me about you and your word and how you see this world and how I ought to live in this world, if you'll teach me, I am resolved. I will keep it and I will observe it. I will apply it. I will live by it. He is resolved that if he will teach him, he We'll keep it. So we see the devoted student next, though. In verse uh, uh, 35 and 36, we see the dedicated sojourner. The dedicated sojourner. Look with me in verse 35 and 36. He says, Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not... To covetousness. What do we see here when we speak of the dedicated sojourner? When I speak of a sojourner, I'm thinking of someone who is traveling through life. Someone who is going through life. Each of us uh, are going through life. We uh, had our birth uh, and since our birth uh, we have been traveling through this life. Uh, As we go through life there are decisions that need to be made. Uh, There are changes that come into our life. There are things that we have to uh, adapt to as we go through life and we refer to our life as uh, a journey from birth uh, until death. And we see that as a sojourn. Uh, The Bible tells us that we're strangers uh, and pilgrims here on this earth. The word pilgrim has the same connotation as the word sojourner. We are traveling through as we talked this morning. It's a temporary stay on this earth and we see here that this man of God who applies himself to the word of God who is a devoted student to the things of God is someone who becomes a dedicated sojourner. In this verse we see how the man of God will order his life during his time on earth. The man of God will order his life according to the word of God during his time on this earth. In verse number 35, he says, make me to go in the path of thy commandments. Here we see the direction that he follows. The direction that he follows. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments. He starts off saying, Lord, teach me 
give me understanding. And then he says, make me to go in the path of thy commandments. Now I find it interesting that the psalmist uses the word make me. Other places he, he does use uh, uh, terminology such as show me uh, the way. But here in this passage he says, make me to go in the way of thy statutes. What is it that he's saying? I believe that the psalmist understands or through the inspiration of the word of God, God communicated to us that we as humans can be stubborn. We as humans can have a tendency to want to go our own way and to do our own thing. But the psalmist says, because I'm a student of the Word of God and I understand the value of the principles of God and I've applied myself to following the Word of God, he said, I want to be dedicated to walking the walk that God would have me to walk. Therefore, my prayer to God is this, Lord, when I come to places where I have to decide, Lord, you make me to go in the way that I ought to go. Lord, you direct me. Uh, you, you take the steering wheel. Uh, you direct my path. Uh, I don't want to be in charge. Uh, I don't want to make the decisions. Uh, I don't want to be making uh, deciding where I go. Lord, I want you to take over. Uh, I want you to direct my life. Uh, I want you to make me go in the way that you want to go because, Lord, although I may not understand, I may not see exactly what you're doing. Uh, through studying your word, uh, I understand that your way uh, is the best way. Uh, therefore, Lord, you make me to go in the way that I ought to go. He is a dedicated sojourner in the direction that he follows. But then we see he's a de dedicated sojourner. Uh, if you see there in verse number 35, the last part, or, or look at the whole verse, he says, Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Uh, not only do we see the direction that he follows, but we see the delight that he finds. He says, Lord, I've looked at your word. I've looked at your commandments. I delight in the law of God. He said, therefore, I want you to direct my life to be a follower of the word of God because when I'm following God, that is when I experience delight in my life. Now, I believe that many of you here could witness and give testimony to this very thing. We as people are fickle. We know what we like, but we don't like what we like. You ever been that way? We say we're hungry, and we go to the refrigerator, and we open the door, and the refrigerator is full. And we say to the wife, there's nothing to eat in here. There's plenty to eat in there. There's just nothing that you want to eat right now in there. You know what? After a while, you rummage around, you rummage around, and finally you're like, well, I guess I'll just eat these cookies it's not what I wanted to eat, but I guess I'll eat these cookies. But you know what? There are things when it comes to following God that I know that when I follow God, that is when I have the best days of my life. You can witness to this. You can witness to this. There are those days whenever you are able, your schedule allows, you get up on time, you're, you're, uh, you're alert enough uh, to do this and you're able to get along for a few minutes uh, and you spend a few minutes uh, reading your Bible, you spend a few minutes in prayer before you start your day and you go through the day and boy, you just... You just have a good day. We've all experienced those days, haven't we? Boy, you just, man, God has been good to me. It's just been a good day. I've enjoyed this day. But then, you know, you have those days when you get up and you say, you know what? I don't have time to read my Bible. 
don't have time to pray. I've got to go. I've got to hurry and go. You rush off. You stop at the, at the gas station, get you a cup of coffee. You get back in the truck and leave your coffee on the toolbox. And you get out on the highway and you see your coffee. So you stop to get your coffee and somebody almost runs into you. You're like, it's the worst day of my life. Now, I know that's a little bit extreme. But you know what? All of you have experienced the fact that whenever I do what God says, life is better. Whenever I let life get in the way of what God says, life begins to get hectic. It begins to fall apart. What the psalmist is saying, he's saying, Lord, direct me in the way that I should go. Because, Lord, I know that when I follow you and your commandments, that's when I find delight. That's when I live the best life. So, Lord, you direct my life. Help me to follow you that I can live the life that I ought to live. We see the direction he follows, the delight he finds, but then we see the decisions that he makes as he journeys through life, the decisions that he makes there in verse number 36. He says, Incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. He's like, Lord, when I make decisions... Incline me, incline me to your testimonies, incline me to your word. Help me to have a tendency to look first to your word before making decisions. We see the dedicated sojourner. Then verse 37 and 38, we see another picture of the man of God or the child of God. And this is a developing saint, a developing saint. Saint. Uh, uh, whenever we are a devoted student to the Word of God, we're a dedicated sojourner in our life for God, uh, we will find that we begin to develop uh, as a saint of God. The result of learning the Word of God is a person who begins uh, to act according to the Word of God. In verse 37 and 38, it says, Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. Establish thy word unto thy servant who is devoted to thy fear. I see three areas where the child of God will develop uh, as he is a student uh, of the word of God. First of all, uh, we see that the saint of God will develop, first of all, there in the first part of verse number 37, he says, Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. The first thing that I see here is separation from vanity. Separation from vanity. Now, vanity is a word that is used often in the Word of God and still used some in our vernacular, but not near like we used it in the Word of God, and therefore we may not grasp completely the understanding of the word vanity. Vanity is foolishness. Vanity is worthlessness. Vanity is those things that we desire that have no eternal value. As we are a student of the Word of God, as we talked this morning, as we learn of the things of God, we begin to lose a temporal focus and we gain an eternal focus. This is what's going on in the psalmist's life. He said, I've been a student of the Word of God. I've gained understanding of the Word of God. God is helping me to direct my life to live according to the Word of God. He said, now what I understand is, Lord, I have a desire. As I'm becoming a saint of God, I have a desire that you will turn away my desire from the worthless, foolish, 
uh, temporal things of this world and help me to focus on the eternal. He asked here uh, that he would be separated from vanity. You remember when you were a little child and boy, you'd go to the store with your mother or grandmother or whoever took you to the store and you'd walk into the toy aisle and I mean it was just everything. All those colors, all those gadgets, all those Hot Wheel cars, I mean, all that good stuff, it was everywhere. And boy, it was just, your eyes were, uh, how's Proverbs say it, filled with fatness. Boy, you just, whoo, look at all this stuff. Oh my goodness, this stuff is awesome. You'd save your pennies till you could buy a Hot Wheels car. I remember uh, going with my mom when I was just a little bitty guy. I'm surprised they even remember this. I was just a little bitty guy. Went to the uh, IGA with my mom just up the street from where we lived and walked in there and I was standing in the toy aisle. IGA. You know that had to be an awesome toy aisle at IGA. Here I stand and I'm just looking at those toys uh, and there was a little plastic slingshot there and I was just eyeballing that slingshot and eyeballing it, you know. And an older gentleman came by and he said, what are you looking at, son? And I showed him what I was looking at and he just reached up there and got it off of the shelf and went up to the counter and paid for it and gave it to me. I still like slingshots to this day. I mean, he just made an impression on me. He's like, here, let me get that for you. He gave me that slingshot. Boy, I'm telling you what, I thought that was was the greatest thing that I had ever got in my life. I got myself this little slingshot. I was so proud and so happy. But you know what? As I, after I got grown and I had kids of my own and my kids say, Daddy, can we go to the toy aisle? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I guess. There's nothing there that interests me anymore. Not that I don't want to take my kids to the toy aisle. I know that they're enjoying all that they're seeing, but as I stand in the toy aisle, there's nothing there that interests me. I've come to realize the frivolity of everything in that aisle. You know what? The same is true in our spiritual life. Before we're saved, the things of this world is just like, wow i got to have it. I've got to try it. I've got to experience it. I, I, I need that. I want that. Oh, if I just had that, I'd be so happy. And we're just looking at all the vanity. The psalmist says, Lord, separate me from vanity. Help me to see the frivolity of the things of this world that I might focus on the things of eternal value. He has to be separated from vanity. And then, then we see the developing saint in, there in verse number 37. He asked that he might be sustained in his way. It says, and quicken thou me in thy way. That word quicken means be made alive. He asked that I might be sustained in the way. Lord, as I'm going through this life, as I'm turning away from the things of this world and I'm turning my focus on you, Lord, I pray that you will make me alive in the things of God. Help me to know and enjoy the things of God. And then he asked, he asked there in the next verse, verse number 38, he says, establish thy word unto thy servant. We see here that he asked that he might be strengthened in the word of God. The developing saint, uh, uh, he wants to be separate from vanity. He wants to be sustained in his way and he wants to find strength uh, in the Word of God. And the last one that we have here, you see the problem is when you tell people you might let them out early, now they're expecting it, so i got to hurry. <laughs> the last one we see here, number 4, verse 39 and 40, we see a delighted son. A delighted son. In verse number 39, Turn away my reproach, which I fear, for thy judgments are good. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts, 
quicken me in thy righteousness. You know what? Whenever you become a student of the Word of God, whenever you go through life according to the principles of the Word of God, whenever you begin to develop as a saint, you will find a delight as the Son of God that those who continue to long after the things of this world will never experience or understand. Boy, it saddens me to see so many Christians who struggle so much. As the Bible says, Paul spoke of, of the... One, the uh, I forget his name, but he said, he said, he hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. I see so many Christians that they, they, they have believed in Christ, but it's like they just are still enamored by the things of this world, and they're never able to experience the delight that comes to a child of God who has learned the frivolity of the things of this world and has focused himself on the Savior. I see three things about the delighted son. First of all, I see that the delighted son accepts his love, accepting his love. He said, turn away my reproach, which I fear, for thy judgments are good. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord, to accept the fact that you love me. You know what? We know that Jesus loves us. We tell everybody Jesus loves you. We sing the song, Jesus loves me, this I know. But whenever you really grasp that he loves me, I'm telling you what, no longer do we feel reproached, no longer do we feel rejected. I am loved by the Creator, accepting the love that God has for me. Then not only does the delighted son accept his love, uh, but we see that the delighted son applies his precepts. And this goes along with what we've looked at previously. He says, Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. And then last of all, the delighted son abides in righteousness. He says, Quicken me in Thy righteousness. What do I see here when I look at this abiding in righteousness? I believe the delighted son is one who is walking as his father. <clears throat> we've all seen it. Maybe we've seen it in a child that we know. Maybe we've heard someone tell about it. Or maybe we've seen a picture of it. But we've all seen the illustration of a father walking through the snow. And behind him is a little guy whose legs are about as long as dad's feet are. And that little guy is doing his best to make sure he steps exactly where dad steps. Make sure that he is following where dad is going. You know, there is nothing that will make a young dad more proud than to turn around and see his son acting like he does. Well, it just it just makes a dad proud. Uh, you see dad sitting on the, sitting on the couch and, and he'll sit down on the couch and Sit down after dinner, he'll throw his leg up like this, and he happens to notice that son just crossed his leg, and so dad will uncross and watch. Son will uncross his leg, and dad will nudge mom and say, Watch this. He'll cross his leg, and that little boy cross his leg. And I mean, dad's heart is swelling up this big because there's nothing makes a dad more proud than to see a son wanting to behave as his father. You know what? There's nothing that makes our heavenly father more proud than to see a son who is trying to behave like his father. We see a delighted son here who is abiding in righteousness, walking as his father walked. Four pictures, four pictures of a man of God. You know what? 
I believe that all of us can have each of these characteristics in our life if we will start by being a devoted student of the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for these folks. Lord, I pray that you take this simple yet practical message, and Lord, that we will take it and we'll think on it and we'll apply it, and Lord, that we will be a people who walk as you walk, Father, I pray. Thank you for your goodness to us. Be with us, Lord, as we go throughout this week. Lord, as we go to our jobs, as uh, we go to do our business, Lord, as we interact with people throughout the community, family and friends. Father, I pray that you will help us to have a testimony of, Father, that we are the children of God. Help us, Father, to be a witness and tell others of the hope of the gospel, Father, I pray. Thank you for your goodness. Be with us, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you. You are dismissed.